Hey, Minnesota fans, I'm back. <laughs> this is the Sound of Foghorn Podcast. Fiala intercepts again, trying to find the handle on it. He does, he scores! What a play by Fiala! Your number one podcast for the Minnesota Wild. Now I'm proud to select with the ninth pick in the 2020 draft from the Ottawa 67s of the OHL, Marco Rossi. Covering their prospects, the NHL, AHL, news, advanced stats, and much more. And what a save by Talbot! A sprawling glove save by the Minnesota goaltender. Denies Goes to work for the Wild. Centers one. Eriksson Ek with a shot. He scores! Jewel Eriksson Ek. He's the hero. Poked away Kaprizov. In for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. And now, here are your hosts. Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Bach. Hello and welcome in to Sound the Foghorn. It is Wednesday, September 22nd. It is the day after Kirill Kaprizov has re-signed his contract. And Brett Marshall is here alongside Zeke Boyat and Justin Baki to break down everything, all of our reactions about the Kirill Kaprizov signing. If you did check out the Locked On Wild podcast the other day, thank you for doing so. Um, some of the stuff you hear tonight might be a little repetitive of that, but we'll dive into a little more detail. Um, yeah, but before we get into everything, let's check in with everyone. Zeke, uh, I think you might have a story to tell us and the, and the podcast listeners about uh, your first day on the job at uh, Target, maybe yesterday or, or today, uh, with a little run-in with one of the uh, tools there. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, yeah, no, I was, I was, uh, had my first full day of work. I was there from eleven to seven thirty. So, I spent most of that. Uh, my main job is, you know, moving carts around. Like you see the guys in the parking lot, like pushing, like you know, twenty to thirty of them at a time. So they were telling me, you know, how to use the machine. And the guy, he was doing it. I was helping put carts on it, but I didn't really know how. So then he goes, says, "Okay, I got my break. So you know, can you do this?" Uh, I'm like, uh, "Not really. Maybe, sure." And he's like, "Okay, sounds good." And then he, then he went inside. And then, uh, so I did it and I didn't, I didn't realize that when you see them, there's like handlebars at the back, but I didn't, I try to do that instead of what you're supposed to do is stack the carts on there and then drag, then drag it with the cart in front. You're not supposed to, and then there's a remote control, but instead I, I press the button to move it backwards so I could back up and go to the parking lot and it like goes really fast. So like it goes zoom and then like it like went up and up there and I had to like block it with my whole body. And it was like, you know, halfway, it was like, you know, upside down, it wasn't upside down, but it was like tilted all the way up. And I like, I was like, you know, I was pretty, it startled me. And, and that was just happened to be while I was in the parking lot and the, one of the other workers there, she came out and she like saw it and like, was like ran out there to help <laughs> me figure it out. And then uh, I was yeah, no, it, it was it, it, it definitely a little, uh, I got the hang of it at first, but there was there a go. few times of almost uh, twisting ankles too, which were not yeah, fun. You, you essentially almost became a speed bump for the cart yes. thing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You're, you're driving in the Target and you just see the, the cart machine just driving through the parking lot, like <laughs> no one crashing, crashing into the, the tail ends of other cars and yeah. just on the loose. <laughs> Zeke's dragging behind it, trying to stop yeah. it. So aside from the mishap with the cart machine, Zeke, how you doing on this evening tonight? 
no, I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm doing really good. Uh, was like I said, it's been kind of a long day, so I'm kind of tired, but uh, I'm happy to be here because you know I just I just love chopping it up with you guys. Oh yeah, one of my favorite things. So. Love chopping up with the guys. Yeah. If you don't get that reference, check out our Twitter page. Check out the TikTok we posted last <laughs> night. <laughs> Justin, how you doing, my friend? Uh, I'm good. Uh, I got the kids to bed finally, and uh, you know, Miko starts hockey on Saturday. His first event, kind of the Woo-hoo! kickoff event, so. Sweet. Pretty excited for that, and uh, very freaking excited for this Kaprizov news and some of the details surrounding it, and, and you know something we'll touch on later. But uh, yeah, I'm just ready to, to to talk with some guys about some things. Chopping it up. <laughs> All right, well let, let's get into Kirill Kaprizov. So we were speculating. We've we've been saying trust the process is going to get done, and Michael Russo in the way that he does is like ah. You know, th- about you know, probably what three? You know, it's probably what four thirty-ish yesterday. Russo pops on the old Twitter machine, and uh, yeah, I'm getting an inkling things are heating up with Kaprizov, and so, you know, I'm kind of sitting there going, "All right, so like tomorrow, Thursday, maybe Friday, mm-hmm. like hopefully before Thursday, so we can like still do the podcast or whatever." And lo and behold, all of a sudden, the wow, they're like eyeball emoji. <laughs> and then about a half hour later, we get the announcement that Kirill Kaprizov has re-signed in Minnesota uh, for the value of Michael Russo. Projected it all along, five years, $9 million per, $45 million in total. The uh, the Sound of the Foghorn group chat erupted with elation. We went on Locked on Wild last night, uh, shared our joy with Seth Topol there. But now we're going to dive this in a little more detail. Let's go to uh, Mr. Kaprizov countdown himself. Countdown number two is basically over, even though we didn't know the end date. It's yeah, finally right. here. Justin, you got your dollar bill Kirill shirt on. Girls got the dollar bills. What was your just reaction when you finally saw the, that the ink was put to the paper and the contract was done? And I, I was relieved. And, and I, I think I first got the inkling, you know, the Russo post came out and then the inkling really was like, oh shit, it's happening today when, when the wild posted that nesting doll video. Yeah. I was like, oh, Very no creative, way. by and, the way. Yeah, it was. Aaron but, and Co. killed it with the videos yesterday. Yes. They did very, very well. Uh, that's when I was like, this is freaking happening today, isn't it? And the news came out, and I was just elated, just awesome. I was like, oh, and just finding out, I was like trying to put it into my head, like he's going to miss a little bit of camp time, but not much. And then, then the story comes out today, and, and we'll touch on detail later. I don't know if you want me to touch on it now, but it's like he's not even going to miss any freaking camp time because of – his professionalism you know people kind of talked about like this isn't very professional blah 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 they're negative about how how things were going and weren't sure if he was even going to be in training camp and just the way he did things just blew blew my mind away really yeah i i I agree a lot but i mean you know my main reaction is i was just was just shocked because you know i I, you know he was he was going back to russia for uh, 10 million bucks and he, you know, I thought, you know, everything said he, he hated it here. He just wants to get out as quick as possible to go to New York, even though they're not going to have the room to sign him in three years anyways. So, I mean, for, no, 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 obviously not. I've been tooting that horn the opposite way for uh, months. But, yeah, no, I was, uh, yeah, no, I was just very happy because I remember he also on his real-time section athletic posted a similar note, I think, at like 9 that morning or whatever. It was so, you know, not as many people saw it. But yeah, a little, little noticed- sneaky a little yeah, sneaky play yeah. there by Russo. Yeah, so I I had to notice that probably till like an hour before that first tweet that you guys brought up. Yeah. Uh, so and I mean obviously it was that 
at any point, you know, some people were going, well, why are you giving the same update? You know, it's close. Well, you know, it was a process. I mean, obviously at that point we had no idea, like we'll talk about that. He was, you know, actually over here on the way here, but yeah, no, I was obviously, uh, uh, just, just thrilled. <laughs> That's kind of ironic, but, uh, just, yeah, I'm just really happy that it's done and uh, really happy that we can, uh, you know, start to talk about, uh, the actual hockey and not have to talk about is he, will he or won't he every week. So. Right. Yeah, we've said on this show, we've preached it. We know our listeners know it, but when Michael Russo says or tweets something, he's not just throwing shit at the wall and hoping that it sticks. Like, yeah. he's verifying this with several sources. We know he's got a good relationship with Bill Guerin. Like, yeah. and I think Guerin, you know, he, he he's okay with Russo kind of being the one to break the news, so I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he's not going to tell him every single detail, but, you know, if he's throwing some floaters out or, you know, some people close to Kirill teammates or – Whoever else, like if he's getting info, he's running it by multiple sources. He's sending it out. Like, don't be like, oh well, uh, like just trust it. He's the best in the biz, and we love him right. for that reason. Hoping to get him on the show, uh, maybe before the season starts. Stay tuned for that. Um, but let's get into the numbers a little bit on the contracts. As we alluded to at the top, a five-year, forty-five million dollar, nine million average annual value makes him the highest-paid player. In Minnesota Wild history, the ninth highest paid winger in the NHL after just 56 games of regular season plus seven games in the playoffs, so 63 total games for or excuse me, no, have been 62 because he did sit out, I believe, the last game of the season um, against St. Louis. So 63 total games, nine million dollars. The uh, breakdown of the contract uh, over those five years: no signing bonuses, five million dollars in the first year. 10 million in year two, 12 and a half in year three at its peak value, 10 million in year four, seven and a half million in year five. For those unfamiliar with that means, that's just what he actually takes home in real money. Um, so putting off, you know, a little kind of towards the middle of the year, hoping that the escrow kind of settles back in and he's getting more money and, and getting less of that going back to uh, to the league. So uh, what was your guys' feeling? I know, I mean, we know we've, we've kind of known this is going to be the value for a while. Um, but what is kind of your guys' thoughts on, you know, the, the, what the dollar value ended up being at 9 million? Do, do you like it? Do you think it's too much? Do you, do you think the wild got a bargain on it? Zeke, how are you kind of feeling about the, the dollar value of the contract? Well, I mean, I think obviously, you know, even a month ago, you would have, a couple months ago, you would have hoped it would have been that, you know, obviously in, in any case, you know, lower is always better for the team, but you know, my, I'm, you know, perfectly okay with it. You know, he, I guess you can never, I'm never really like, you know, you're never really happy about, you know, big money being given out, but like at the same time, it's, it's just, I'm perfectly like fine with it. Like, Hey, you, you need to do that. If that's what it was going to take to get him under contract for, you know, for the five years, like we've talked about many times, uh, you know, it's perfectly fine with me. And, and like I said on, you know, when we were talking with Seth last night, I think, you know, just with, you, you know, how many people last year, fans, you remember saying they were just casual fans before I didn't watch. And then, with him on the team, they watched and went to a game or watched games and they bought jerseys and stuff. And I think even aside from what he does on the ice, <laughs> uh, I think just the value that a player, like a superstar player like him, obviously, like we all know, uh, that provides, I think, you know, even will far exceed that $9 million, uh, you know, as, as long, along with him being on the ice. So, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm very happy with it. And I think it's, I think it's well worth it. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a really good point, too, and I think this was even alluded to, like, not directly, but I think you could kind of indirectly mm -hmm. interpret it from one of Bill Guerin's quotes in the in his press conference today, 
in that he said, you know, we love what Krill is on the ice, but he just brings so much extra to this team, to the locker room. Mm -hmm. You know he's season tickets are through the roof. They have the Winter Classic. Like, Zeke, as you mentioned, the jerseys, the T-shirts, you know, jerseys, whatever. Like, Kirill sells merchandise. He sells tickets. Mm -hmm. That puts money back in the owner's pocket. It makes the Wild a more attractive team to put on national stages, which, you know, the team gets more money for that. Like, he he brings in a lot of money to the team in addition to what he brings skill-wise. And I think that's, you know, something the casual fan kind of overlooks. I think it's a, a great point that you brought up to kind of hit on that as well. Justin, anything to kind of add to your thoughts on kind of the dollar amount at all that uh, Kaprizov got with his newest contract? Yeah, I mean, I think overall you wanted that at a longer term, like eight years. You thought something midterm would be a little less, but I'm fine with him getting this money. Uh, you know, if he's going to be the budding superstar that that he looks like, you pay him superstar money. And uh, you know, something I, I love that he said in his interview in English was. You know, someone asked him after 55 games and getting this big money, do you feel the pressure to to basically continue to play like this? And he basically said, uh, no pressure, just I'm, I'm glad I get to go, go out there and play hockey now. So, you know, he's he's played in all big spots. The NHL is different than these big spots, but still everywhere he goes, you know, he doesn't not perform. So, you know, I, I'm fine with giving, this, giving him this money and uh, – yeah, that's right, yeah, Dan. I mean, I just think that's you know, like Brett kind of mentioned with some of Garen Scotty. You know, when he, when he said he had, he said basically that he has that it factor that you know all the superstars have that you know that they know they know like I know I'm good and I know I am better than you know everyone else on the ice here. And then you know, I sometimes you people th- you think oh it's cocky. Well, I mean you know you need to be a little bit cocky and a little bit you know comp- having that high confidence yourself to be that great. So yeah, no, I. Uh, I think that's a, you know, that's, that's totally correct that uh, he's just, uh, you know, I, I mean, obviously, you know, we'll have to wait to see when he's on the ice, but uh, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I think all the, uh, you know, what we talked about before with pressure issues from fans and with teammates, as uh, Justin pointed out on the countdown account yesterday, were with some of the comments were probably overrated as well. Yeah. And I just lost my train of thought here. Um, Krill, you talked about Krill's swagger. Uh, and you could just see he just posted that little clip, right? Wild yeah. tweet out. You heard, you know, at the top of the show, he's back, mm-hmm. and then he just gives this little smirk and this wing, <laughs> like he yeah. just he just knows. He's like, I knew yeah. you guys are waiting for me. I'm back. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> There's never a doubt. Like, and it's mm-hmm. just the little things like that. He did, he's just such a lovable, a lovable guy. All the teammates love him. You could look in the comments on his Instagram post. You know, all the guys hyping him up. Mm-hmm. There was a really funny exchange. I believe Marcus Foligno. Um, posted something in Russian um, in the replies as a comment. I don't I don't remember what it translated to, but the first comment underneath it's from Matt Dumba going, can someone that speaks Russian please translate? <laughs> I, I thought someone said that, said like dollar dollar bill krill or something I, I like think, that. Yeah, I think that sounds right. So that's, he, yeah. he put that in Russian and Dumba's like, can someone please translate that? So, you know, the teammate, you know, if there's ever a doubt that this guy, you know, isn't loved by the teammates, you know, you look at the quotes, he, he always wanted to be here. The, the KHL was never an option coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Um, as well so uh and I, I will say add, adding just a little bit more to the dollar value to backtracking just a touch uh dom of the athletic uh did a little breakdown um he has his contract projection model um he had the market value to player like Kaprizov. granted the small sample at a 49.9 million uh so basically coming out to 10 million here so he 
has it as a $1 million per year surplus, 4.8 across the entire contract, um, has him as a, a projected of his uh, GSVA model, 13.4 wins, so 2.7 wins per season. We can round that basically to three probably over these these next five years looking at, you know, you're looking at six extra points a season because of Kirill Kaprizov being in the lineup, um, which, you know, that could easily be the difference between a playoff spot and not, mm-hmm. and not having a playoff spot. So you look at the numbers, I think it's really good. And this was brought up again on Twitter. I've been saying it all summer. NHL players peak at the age that Kirill Kaprizov is right now, right? From ages 23 to 29, 30 years old. Some of them peak a little bit earlier. Some of them peak later. Some of them are better through their 30s. Some of them fall off really quickly. But the Wild just bought what I think will be the best five years Kirill Kaprizov has in the NHL um, for $9 million a year, and I think that's a pretty sweet deal. Mm-hmm. And moving forward here, we, we, uh, we I talked about this a little bit on, on Locked on Wild last night in that I don't have a problem with the five-year term and there's all these fans uh, the next piece we'll get into is there's a no, there's a full no trade clause on the back two years of this contract which means either Kirill will walk himself to free agency after year 5 resign with Minnesota he has that opportunity beginning in year 4 um, or he will get to choose his destination in a trade and that freaks out a lot of fans and I alluded to this last night that this doesn't scare me because if it comes to that point where Kirill Kaprizov wants to get a trade or he wants to go to free agency after year 5 it's probably the wild's fault they're in a place now. They have five years. They have a great young talent pool. They have guys very good at drafting. They have you know a loaded prospect pool. They have assets to trade. Bill Guerin has a plan with with the salary cap. So he, it's his job now to to build a team over these next probably three years that makes Kirill Kaprizov want to stay. And I think if he's unable to do that and Kaprizov leaves, that's not Kaprizov's fault. It becomes the Minnesota Wild's fault. Yeah. And I think, you know, I just think my only thing that I always just go, you know, is why are people, why do people just assume that the worst is going to happen that, right. you know, oh, we're going to have to trade him. It's like, it's the Minnesota way, Zeke. Come on. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> and, and I think maybe my younger age maybe has a little, I'm a little less scarred by than people, maybe my dad's age or whatever, which is maybe a little bit fair, but uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I just look at it too, is he was a, you know, my overall thought about that is he was a fifth round pick. Like whatever value they get out of him the next five years, and even if they it comes to the point where they have to trade him, and it's you know for it, maybe it's not quite a Taylor Hall situation, but it's similar, and what the return is less. They're no matter what the value they're getting out of that pick is way more than you would ever expect to get out of the 135th pick of the draft. So you know I, I you know I'm I'm with I'm with you guys a lot. I don't that you know it doesn't worry me about it. And then I mean at the same point too if. You know, it's it's, it's a no tr- it's a no trade clause. Like the team doesn't is not forced to trade him either. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, I like you said, he's he's here, and uh, that's the the only thing that matters for the you know foreseeable future. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add to that. You guys have touched on a lot of it. I mean, it doesn't scare me. Like like you mentioned, Brett, we we got him through his prime years basically, and whatever happens from there is as like you mentioned on the wild we're putting all the right, right front office people in place the scouts the the prospect pool we're going to continue to draft better i'm kind of just reiterating what you said but mm-hmm. um i mean just thinking about kaprizov and rossi and boldy and and maybe in a couple of years wallstead you know some of these other guys like beckman just 
it's it's, it's a, an exciting time. I can't ever remember a time being this excited about a prospect pool. And I can't ever remember a time thinking I had this much confidence in like mm-hmm. a GM's uh, a, doubt. a plan, what it feels like he's doing. Like there's a different feeling, a different culture feeling, a different feeling on how they're doing everything with the yeah. operations. I mean, what a turnaround, you know, since the Paul Fenton firing where, you know, we went from, you know, okay, we really hate this guy. Like, all right, you know, f- we need to move on from Fletcher. Like, he's he's had his term. All right, sweet. We brought in, you know, a new face in Fenton. You know, this guy was a pretty good drafter. You know, oh, he, you know, he made some trades. He got rid of guys that we figured we need to move on from, but not in the way we wanted to. And then he got fired and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, shit. Like, you know, now what? And then all of a sudden Bill Guerin comes in and is like, have no fear, I will right the ship. Um, and he, you know, st- steered the Titanic away from the iceberg. Um, and we're, we're, we're headed across the ocean here um, on, yeah. on our way to land. So uh, pretty great. Um, anything else related to the uh, Kirill Kaprizov contract that you guys want to hit on here before we uh, maybe move into the prospects? I just want to say that Kirill is, you know, people kind of maybe question his professionalism through this, mm-hmm. but the way he handled, uh, I don't know if you want me to give this away because it's an Russo story and nah, people got to pay for it. Why not? But uh, the way he handled himself coming to the, the United States, uh, you, people are worrying, thinking, is he going to be in camp? Is this and that? Is he vaccinated? Is he going to be able to be here for the beginning of the season? And the fact that he flew himself to Florida he quarantined himself, got himself vaccinated. All that in time for uh, he's not going to miss any training camp. He did this without the organization knowing. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, he got here before his work visa expired. They're working on that. But just all this just shows his professionalism and his character and and, and the fact that he wants to be here, play in the NHL, and just, you know, he want, he, he wants to be here and play hockey. That's it. I don't know, Justin. I think there could be a culprit within the organization that may have planned this. We heard Marcus Foligno in the Bar Down Beauty said he had a plan to to get him over from Moscow. Did, did Marcus Foligno go in on a secret mission? We'll have to check with uh, uh, Alexis and Jesse and see if they can yeah. give us an inside scoop. Maybe it was Foligno that got it all done. He's not going to say anything because he's too humble. But <laughs> all, all, all jokes aside, uh, amen to everything that you said because you know just the the fact that he said, hey. These are the things I need to do to be ready for for you know Thursday, and he did them without you know Bill Guerin knowing. It's just yeah. I mean yeah. this he's this guy's like younger than me, and I'm like what what I have the I don't think <laughs> I would have like the 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 presence of mind to think to be able to do all that stuff. Right. So yeah, just awesome. No, it's yeah, no, I agree, and uh, you know I'm just happy I can uh, now with peace put his name on the back of my Winter Classic jersey and not worrying about dropping another 250 bucks <laughs> for no reason. So right. Uh, no, I'm just happy though, because like I said before, I'm similar to a lot of Wild fans. I've never been, you know, there's never been one player that I've been that excited about just to watch every night. That you know, it, it's just, it, I don't know really how to explain it, but I'm just, uh, I, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just. It's so it's a happy privilege. That, You're turning on yeah. the Wild game, like no matter what happens tonight, I get to watch Kirill Kaprizov play right. 20 minutes of hockey. And hopefully, right. like we maybe we'll talk about here in a minute. Hopefully not with Victor Rask. Hopefully not. All right. Let's shift gears a little bit. We love talking about the prospects on this show, and it was a pretty big weekend for the Minnesota Wild prospects as they held the first annual Tom Curver's Prospect Showcase at Tree Rink in St. Paul. 
We got to see the likes of Matt Boldy. We got to see Marco Rossi in person on skates again for the first time in, in a game situation in a year and a half. Um, aside from the Olympic qualifiers, we got to see Connor Duar, Brandon Duheim, Callan Addison, Ryan O'Rourke, Adam Beckman. We got to see a great version of Derek Barabo. We saw, you know, kind of the veteran guys in Iowa, like Nick Sweeney. We got to see all these prospects be just awesome. Um, I'll I'll turn the floor over to you guys because you guys actually had a chance to go on Sunday and kind of watch these guys. Um, but just kind of take me through, like, you know, what what stood out from you for some of these guys? We know that Boldy Ross had great camps, but like, what specifically do you guys? Let, let's start with those two. Kind of really stood out um, for for Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi. I, I hate to correct you, but I don't want people like in the comments to be like, "Oh, the Duar and Duheim weren't actually there." Uh, well, um, my bad. But, they should have. Uh, no, I know it, they should have <laughs> been. For but the I, for, I, I forgot why they weren't there, but yeah, they, they'll be in camp. But, They'll be in camp. That's where I was getting yeah. confused. That's yeah, that's my mistake. I, I, I'm, uh, I'm one I, segment ahead of myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you like to prepare ahead. Yeah. But no, uh, those two were absolutely fun to watch, and and being you know we see their games on TV and highlight stuff, but being there in person is totally different. Like Boldy's hockey IQ and his smarts were just incredible, and and you could see Rossi's you know, 200 foot game and, and the way he just skates, he uses hard to knock off pucks. And once the pucks on his stick, it's there. And those two had incredible chemistry. It was, I mean, remarkable. I yeah. Like it looked like I, those I two been playing together for years. Yeah. I did not get to see Friday's game because I was at a wedding reception, but Zeke and I were at the Sunday game, like was mm-hmm. mentioned. And it was just incredible watching these two, those two together. Yeah. And I, mean, I think it was just really cool because, like, we po- I think we both posted on there with Marco Rossi was sitting two rows in front of us in the penalty box, like, you know, right there. Like, you know, these – because that was the thing is, you know, some of these guys we've not talked about for, like, three years. And, if, you know, you've never really had a chance to even online watch them. So I think that was just my favorite thing was just, you know, actually getting to, you know, physically be there to see him was just, you know, really cool. Just pretty much everybody, but – no, I think I think you guys are definitely right in that those two guys were obviously the two best players on either team. And I mean, I don't know. There was I know Reichel in Chicago was a first round pick. They have a couple of good guys. Was but, Doc wasn't playing, was he? Uh, his brother was that they drafted. Okay, the other Doc. But yeah, because I mean, didn't he get? Didn't he like hurt himself at the World Juniors in the exhibition game? Was what happened? Uh, I think something like, I think that, like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, no, but uh, they were like I said, they were the two best players in the ice by far and and i don't know maybe it was just me paying attention but you know not that i, that I thought rossi was bad by any means he was really good i guess i was just uh, a little more impressed with boldy maybe in the, in the sense you know that could probably maybe because he's older you know a year older has played you know more consistently or whatever but i just love that you know he's like six two he's got like we've talked about before he's got the size and, and like justin said i think it was i think it was in the overtime period he made a great like you know cross ice pass right up to the middle ice to thread the needle through a couple defenders to send I think it was Adam Beckman in a breakaway and it was mm-hmm. you know just perfect you know sauce it over the stick there and, and that was really awesome so yeah no I think you know I mean obviously you want to temper expectations for you know when and if the guys are on the roster and how they're going to do right away but you know the way Boldy especially plays uh, you know I'm even really excited just to for the fact that I think he could probably uh, be a productive player even this season yeah, and I'll touch on one more thing. The, yeah. Another thing I noticed with those two is their zone entries were were clean. Like they they were they not dumping the puck. The puck. 
no, it's not dump and chase. It's I'm getting across that line and making a play. And another thing that was involved with those two was the power play. And at any time that power play was on the ice, it was going. It was getting chances. They may not have scored every time, but they absolutely had chances every time they had the power play on the ice yes. when they were on the ice with like Addison and even Chafee. Beckman was on, I think, with them. <laughs> it's just a, a scary times, but... unit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we alluded that you guys alluded to this a little bit, but Matt Boldy, I mean, he just continues to impress me every time I watch him play. He just has a game that you can just watch him and go, yep, this is going to translate to the pro game. And I think, I mean, you look at what he did at BC, you look at what he did at the World Juniors, you know, the small sample we saw in prospect camp. And, like, granted, he's doing this with good players, right, with with Marco Rossi's, you know, he was doing it with Caulfield and, and Zegris and stuff. But these guys are, you know, inexperienced players too, Imagine the kind of things that he might be able to do when he's playing with a guy like Kaprizov on the power player, maybe on a line with a guy like Kevin Fiala, like putting even more skill around an already skilled player. It just gets you more and more excited, and I'm really confident. I mean, we've we've kind of been tuning this horn since last year that Matt Boley's NHL ready, and Garen, you know, so he's got to earn the spot, blah, blah, blah. I If I were a betting man, I'd put a lot of money on that mm-hmm. Matt Boley is in the lineup um night night one and just so many plays he made this weekend just being hard on pucks in the corner finding the seams justin as you allude to carrying the puck in not dumping it like these are things that really good players do and he continues to do them over and over and over again um there is some there's some prospecting accounts on twitter that do you know some minor stat tracking and um both bully and rossi had very good underlying analytics for the prospect game as well, you know, tracking things like expected goals and all that. So lots to be excited for there with those two, no doubt. But, you know, those are the big two prospects. There are some other big names there as well. Let's maybe go two two from each of you. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll go one at a time, though. Um, Just another player outside of those two that really impressed you. Uh, Zeke, we'll start with you. I mean, I know he's, you know, kind of the the, considered for a lot lot of people the third prospect of, you know, but I just think that uh, Kalen Addison, you know, obviously he's been a pro last year. So, you know, it's kind of expected that he was going to look especially good. But, you know, seeing him in person, you know, obviously he's not very big at like 5'10 or whatever. But, and he's not necessarily, you know, not that he, he thought he was soft, but, you know, he was, he kinda, he's been known to be more of a, like a finesse offensive defenseman, really skilled with the puck. But, you know, he, he showed those, like Justin mentioned, on the power play where he was really good. He was, you know, great offensively and moving the puck and all that, but he was also, you know, surprisingly pretty physical and he was mixing up in a lot of their, you know, the several scrums and kind of fights that they had. And, and it really showed that he's, you know, got, you know, has that obviously that two-way game and is, uh, just is, can play both ends of the ice, which I think was really good to see for, you know, for a guy who's still pretty young and the only one pro career under his uh, belt to kind of maybe add that element to his game, which would make him an even better player. But, uh, but yeah, no, I know he might not start the season, obviously, with the Wild, with the Jordy Ben and Merrill signings, but uh, he is, uh, you know, from, like we said with Boldy, I think he's, you know, to me, he's the next best guy who's NHL ready at this time, and I, I think he was that good. Yeah, I think a lot of times we, we keep thinking that, like, because he's a right shot offensive mind defenseman, a lot of people try to compare him to Dumba. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think they're they're the, quite the same player. A player that I really th- like, I hate player comps, but a player he reminds me of when I watch him, he reminds me a lot of Sam Gerrard from Colorado. Kind of that Ooh. smaller, really mobile defenseman that can make that quick pass, the smart play. I think he's he he's more of the offensive type in that he knows how to move the puck up ice and make smart passes. Mm-hmm. Where Dumba's play is he's run and gun, 
join the rush, fire shots. I think Addison's more like a playmaking offensive defenseman where mm-hmm. Dumba's more the shooter, the shot creator. Um, so I, I see him more as like a Sam Gerrard. I don't know if you guys see that comparison, but I just Love wanted to, to jut that in there as well. That. Great. I can see that. I'll just add another yeah. thing I saw with him is he kind of saw his ability to power play the quarterback, and I, I feel like a lot of his, his plays and passing the way he skates was really smooth. Yeah, and then so uh, Justin, who is a player outside of the big three, we'll call them, that uh, that stood out to you? Uh, me and Zeke were talking about this uh, during the game, but uh, one guy that I recognized quite a bit was Damon Hunt. He was, uh, you know, played very, very well, played physically along, along the boards, was not afraid of contact, was laying hits. He's kind of that defenseman that maybe we've missed for a while. But, uh, yeah, he's his. the biggest thing I noticed with him is his physical aspect and the way he played along the boards. It was It was really fun to watch. Yeah, he's been kind of a a big riser as of late. I think Corey Pronman mm-hmm. recently did his prospect pool rankings. Or it was under twenty three rankings, not necessarily prospect rankings. Um, and Damon Hunt, I believe, was actually he actually had him ahead of Ryan O'Rourke as the the second best defenseman in the Wilds prospect. Some ahead of Jack Pert, ahead of Ryan O'Rourke. This is a fourth. He's a fourth round or fifth round pick. I think he was the third because I think he I was. I thought he was third. Was he third round pick? Okay. Yeah, they got him in that. Nashville yeah so a third round pick but we we covered him a lot last year I think he got uh Mm -hmm. amateur the week a few times he was really rocking the power play uh in the WHL and yeah I think he's a guy that we really saw kind of take we saw what you want to see out of kind of that that 18 19 he took that big next step um which I think Mm -hmm. is really exciting and like I said I didn't get to watch much but to hear that he continued to look good um, you know, playing with some more talented players um, is, is awesome. And I believe he and O'Rourke both are both still eligible for the World Juniors this year um, mm-hmm. as well. So yeah. something to watch to see if he can maybe crack that team this year as a as an overager. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. I think the kind of the other guy that uh, stood out to me, and obviously, is, you know, we, we talked about the success yesterday, and this might be a little bit, you know, kind of repeating what we said, but I just think that, you know, as Russo and as Bill Guerin said, I think Adam Beckman and, and like specifically with the power play, just that shoot, shoot, shoot. Like, you know, when I'm, when I, you know, I used to play NHL when I was young, I would never <laughs> pass the puck. I'd literally just skate up the ice, the left side and fire slap shots. Then that, that's almost yeah. what he seems to have in that sense that, you know, especially in the power play, he was on the, uh, on the left circle at the top of the circle there, you know, firing wrist shots, through, even through traffic, trying to pick corners, just shooting from pretty much anywhere he got it. And I think, you know, obviously, uh, I made the joke, Justin, that on the power play, I'm surprised no one's yelling shoot at the players on the ice. Cause Beckman's like, not giving him the chance. No, so <laughs> which was, which is obviously pretty abnormal for wild players. So, you know, I just think it, it's just it's just refreshing, obviously, to see a guy uh, just wanting to shoot the puck, willing to at any time. And I also think that I know his knock has been that he maybe doesn't have the greatest foot speed. You know, he wasn't really blazing fast or anything, but I, from what I could tell, it also seemed like his skating is either improved or is maybe better than uh, some people think it is too. Yeah, I, I can't remember the the Twitter interaction, but um, I think it might have been with uh, Capri Soft Club. And we were just talking about Beckman on Twitter, and I said he's kind of like a Walmart Kevin Fiala, right? Like, he, you know, <laughs> you're not getting every like you're not getting all the blazing speed, the incredible hands, the incredible shot, but like you're getting a, you know a pretty pretty good yeah. version of it. You know, it's it's the it's the off brand Kevin Fiala, but like, hey, that's that's still pretty good. Yeah. Kevin Fiala is pretty sweet. So, yeah, uh, Justin, one one final player here. 
um, that really stood out to you at the prospect camp? Uh, this guy uh, stood out to me pretty well, maybe because I was looking for him a little bit because he was a UMD Bulldog. Part of it's not because he was a UMD Bulldog, and it was a performance. It was uh, Nick Swainy. He got an assist on one of the power play goals. It was, you know, Boldy's power play goal, but he, it was a rebound shot. And, and just kind of his quiet leadership and the way he plays, just smart hockey. And uh, he ended up scoring the game-winning uh, shootout goal in that Sunday game. And Six night. Made a, yeah, mm-hmm. he, he made a big, big impact. I think, you know, I think the thing was, is, you know, a lot of times there's, you'll read in like the athletic with Scott Wheel and Corey Prom and stuff. They'll say that guys, you know, obviously it can be really good college players, really good pro players. And I, I believe his entry level deal was a one year deal because of his age. So, you know, I think like, like just like you said, he does definitely have like, you know, good IQ and good skill. And I think, uh, you know, but I think, you know, with his age, it's kind of like, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how he does. Cause if he, if he pops off and is scoring at a pretty good rate, then, you know, that'll probably give us a pretty indica- good indication of, you know, if we got a, if there's an NHL player in him. Yeah, I think, you know, worst case scenario, maybe he becomes, you know, maybe like a, a Joseph Cramarosa type or a Kyle Rao type where he becomes a really good AHL player. And in a pinch, he can be a guy that you can, you know, stick in on your fourth line. You need those guys, then we know with the years coming up, we'd much rather, you know, have an $850,000 Nick Sweeney in the lineup than, you know, yep. overpaying some 35-year-old veteran on a, you know, $1.2 million deal. Yeah. Um, you know, I always bring up the name Daniel Winnick, but we don't need any more Daniel Winnicks. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, so it was really exciting to see the prospects. A bunch of them will be at uh, opening up training camp, vying for roster spots as well. Um, that is our next topic, but before we get to that, was there any other prospects that you guys want to talk about, any other takeaways um, from the, the Tom Curvis prospect showcase? I mean, uh, the only thing I want to add is a couple of players, other players I noticed was Damian Giroux. He looked really quick. He looked like a really quick player out there and, and you know, played pretty well. And then uh, Derek Barabo played out of his mind on that Sunday game, especially in overtime in the shootout, and was uh, the big reason why we won. Yeah, no, I, uh, I guess my just main take was, uh, you know, because we were there, you could see in their little box up behind the benches, uh, so and you could see, uh, you know, obviously Garen, Leopold, and all the guys there. Evison walked right down the row, right by us. Uh, but I liked watching Garen's reactions to things because a couple of the, you know, the one save Barbo had in the shootout where he like, you know, leapt down and threw his arm back, and the guy made his like backhand twist move, like he looked up, he was like, ooh. And a bunch of, you know, he's like that kind of like shocked look on a couple of plays in there, which was, you know, I just, I just thought that was kind of cool that uh, I just liked how everyone seemed to be like into it. And like, you know, it was an actual game. Like normally you go into that thinking it's, it's a scrimmage that, yeah. you know, but you know, the, the fighting and the penalties was, uh, oh, it yeah, was, yeah. it was intense. And I, I don't know. I think it was just, uh, just really fun to see that, uh, you know, everyone there was, uh, was into it and was uh, you know was given a full effort and it was you know it really felt like a real game. So. Yeah, one line I told Zeke at the scrimmage was I went to a boxing match and a hockey game broke out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was awesome. And then that that game Sunday, you guys get a you know a fairy tale ending with Marco Rossi tying the game late, I believe, on a feed from Callan Addison, and I believe that pass may have came from I think it was either Boldy or Beckman. Like, oh, just the future is yeah. now, right? Like just right in front of your face. Yeah. Uh, to, to tie the game late and then to go another shootout. Unfortunately, I think uh, we didn't get 
I was a little disappointed in the shootout. We did like Rossi didn't really make a deke. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, what? And then Boldy had a sweet shot crossbar. Um, Beckman. Beckman go third. Yep. And he was stopped, and then I believe Sweeney went fourth and went bar down for the win. So, um, just one for the Homer Bulldogs. That one was just for you guys. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so let's move along here to our last topic of tonight's show, and that is training camp, which opens up tomorrow. Um, I want to just kind of go through different groups, and then we'll uh, we'll do some speculating because that's what fans do when they're given lists. So. Uh, this is from the Minnesota Wild PR Twitter account. These are the groups that will take the ice at nine, beginning at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, three groups, groups A, B, and C, a mix of you know roster locks as well as some rookies, different things like that. So group A, we have uh, Caden Bankier, Will Bitten, Joseph Cramarosa, Drew Eriksson-Eck, uh, Goligoski, Hicketts, Jones, Kaprizov, Lodnia, Masters, Mermis, Novak, Otenbright, Shaw, Spurgeon, Talbot, Turgeon, and Zuccarello, uh, which if you notice, uh, yep, that's Kaprizov, Zuccarello. There is only one full-time center on the in the wild uh, in that group, and that is Jewel Erickson Eck. So let's start there, guys. Are we getting first-line Jeek? I mean, if you're going off the camp uh, groups, it looks like uh, Eck is going to start the season. They, they're not just going to move him up in the lineup to – to maybe one line, it, it, you know, putting two and two together, maybe we're wrong, but uh, he might be uh, the one center to start the season if Let's all go. things go well in camp. And I mean, I mean, I think uh, I think that's definitely right because I know we've heard Russo speculated, and I think Evison kind of leaned, you know, let on, let us kind of believe that earlier this summer. Darren did and, as well, uh, kind of in that. Yeah, yeah, that. they did. We want to give was... Jewel Eriksson Eck more ice time. Mm-hmm. This certainly seems like giving Eriksson Eck more ice time. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you're you're paying him five point two million dollars now, so if yeah. you're not gonna. That's if, not third line center not, money anymore. Oh, no, that's that's top six. So. That's top six center. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, so <laughs> really exciting, really exciting there. Um, yeah. And obviously, like well, this is full speculation, but I mean, you can just kind of look at all these. Like each kind of grouping has, um, like lines. Uh, so so let's go to Group B here. Um. Oh, and the other, you know, I guess. Not really super notable, but um, Spurgeon and Goligoski, as we assumed would be, uh, you know, the first pairing, but they're the only two full-time defensemen in that group. So we assume that looks like the first pair, first line. Group B, we have Callan Addison, Derek Barabo, Beckman, Jordy Ben, Chafee, uh, Zuxman, I think is maybe how you say that, uh, Duar, Felino, Giroux, Greenway, Hammond, Hartman, Kulikov, Lazat, Merrill, Missley, and your boy Nick Sweeney. So again, here we have kind of the three permanent forwards. We have that common Felino Greenway duo. It's not Nico Sturm. It's not Victor Rask. It's not Freddie Goodrow. It's Ryan Hartman um, as kind of the third forward in that group. So Ryan Hartman on the third line. I'd like to see my guy Nico Sturm there, but I also don't hate this because if you need a freaking energy line, you're throwing out Greenway, Felino and Hartman. Yes, please. I'm going to kill yep. you. I'm going to fire yeah. the crowd up. I'm going to fight you. We're going to forecheck the crap out of you. I-, I like this idea for line a lot. I think Hartman can do similar things to what Eck did to kind of keep the identity of that line the same. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's a big line minus Hartman, but he plays just as big as the other guys. He might play bigger than Greenway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think, you know, him at center, obviously he's not a, a full-time center, but I think, you know, and obviously he's not going to, he's not a scoring role. I think maybe I was going to, I was about to say, you know, he wasn't like superb at center last year, but obviously that, you know, diff, different role. If you're on that third line there, your, their job isn't much to score offense, but I mean, yeah, I think, like, like you said, Brett, he can play kind of a similar style uh, defensively like Eck does. And I think, uh, you know, which which would be great because then maybe that can become uh, Dean Evison's new favorite line. And then he won't ever be tempted to move uh, Eck off that top line back down to uh, exactly. which, you know, which would be. Yeah. So, yeah, no, uh, nothing, to, nothing to complain about there. That's, you know, it's kind of just exactly what you what you want in that lineup, part of the lineup. Yeah. And then we do get the interesting mix of defensemen here as well with Addison with Kulikov and with Merrill. So, you know, you do have kind of those three, which, you know, this might be where we see a little bit of a battle between Merrill and Addison. Ben, obviously, in that first group, I think he's probably one to be the safe, assume he'll be a healthy scratch. Um, I'd imagine they might carry 8D most of the year. We'll see what happens with that. But um, something to watch there as Kalen Addison continues to vie for a spot. I don't think he's, you know, just because they have eight, you know, defensemen signed or whatever, Mm -hmm. I, I think he's still very much in that mix. Um, and then last but not least is group C a lot of fun names in this group. Nick Bugstead, Matt Boldy, Brodeen, Duheim, Dumba, Kevin Fiala, Freddie Gaudreau, Fedor Gordiev, Mini Chara himself, uh, Damon Hunt, Capo Kakinen, uh, Kozlowski, Lambos, O'Rourke, Rask, Boo, Rao, Marco Rossi, Summerby, and my boy last, but certainly not least, Nico Sturm. Uh, so obviously here the forward grouping, you know, on the wings, kind of to be expected. We have Bukestead, we have Boldy there, Fiala's there. Um, and then it gets interesting. We have Nico Sturm, we have Victor Rask, we have Marco Rossi, and we have Freddie Gaudreau. So we have kind of these four, you know, guys that can play center. Um, we speculated a little bit in the group chat as to what these lines could look like potentially with these guys um there's a spot there for marco rossi i think between i I think to me it looks like boldy and fiala are going to start on a line together which hell yes yes yes, let's fucking go i think Um, that turns uh fiala from a 30 to 40 goal score dude it might i don't i believe it (laughs) but i'm sorry keep going (laughs) yeah but but i think for me this will be the most interesting camp storyline is what do these you know what does this you know line 2A or, or 2B, whatever you want to call it, with Boldy and Fiala, who ends up at center and how does that impact the fourth line? Because yeah. I know I, I, Dean Evison alluded to in, in, a, in, a, in a press earlier this summer about maybe wanting to give Freddie Gaudreau a look there, but, I mean, Marco Rossi has absolutely wowed since he came back. He looks great. Um, he's obviously going to have probably more skill than Freddie Gaudreau, which is more lacking of that pro experience. Mm-hmm. Victor Rask is still there. Um, we've seen Nico Sturm be very good um, in his rookie campaign. So, like, these are four guys that, you know, are going to be vying for those spots. So let's start with who do you guys hope you see there, and then we'll go to who we think yeah. um, we see there. Well, I don't know. I think – I guess I don't – not entirely sure who I hope – you know, whether I hope. Like, I think I would be fine either way. I mean, obviously, I think the obvious choice is to see Marco Rossi there just because, yes. you know, we want to – we want to see him. His Rossi, Boldy, Fiala. Team. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, please. That could uh, develop. <laughs> Talk about a second line. <laughs> That's oh, one of the best in the league. But, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. I I would obviously, I'd obviously love that. Uh, you know, I, to be honest, like I said to you guys this earlier, I just I just doubt that they're going to put two rookies on the same line uh, that early. Although, you know, we did, like you guys said, they saw that chemistry in those prospect games. And uh, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll know here in the next couple of weeks and with the preseason games and practices, what they kind of, we'll probably get an inkling what they think of both of those two guys. Uh, but yeah, no, I think, uh, I think if, if Rossi's the second line center uh, with, you know, obviously with the chemistry with Boldy and Fiala, the, the speedster, the scoring guy on that line, I think he's uh, he's obviously incredibly tantalizing. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, Rossi between Boldy and Fiala moves my needle the most. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, that's how what I want. Not? How can it not? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and then then that begs the question. So now you're left with I think if that's the case, if you now have all three of Rass, Sturm, and Goodrow for your fourth line. I think that's a, it's a pretty easy slide. Bukes at the center as well. I suppose we could have thrown him in there, but yeah. I think he's more. Net, he fits a little bit better on the right wing. Uh, I think Nico Sturm easily slots into the left wing, which means now we're down to two guys. Now we're down to Victor Rask and Freddie Goodrow, which I have no idea. Like, I, if I got to choose, I'm choosing Goudreau because anti-Victor Rass podcast. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we know the coaches allegedly and they preached all last season. They like Rask. Um, but they also like Bill Guerin went into, you know, went into the offseason, signed Freddie Goudreau. He's a guy he knows from Pittsburgh, so he becomes that Guerin guy. Rask is not a Guerin guy, so, like, is Rask on the 13th forward, and then they go back on everything they said last mm-hmm. year. So that's where the dynamic gets really interesting. Obviously, if Rossi doesn't make the team, I think Gaudreau probably slides into that third-line spot, and I think that's kind of a natural place to stick Rask at center on that yeah. fourth line, or you put Sturm there and move Rask to left wing, but I think it's more, more likely that Rask stays at center. So th- that's the big storyline for me, and the thing I'm paying the most attention to is kind of how that bottom six, quote-unquote, kind of shakes out, especially down the middle well i mean i think the key is there you know obviously it's the bottom six so you don't really even be skilled but the fact that they have all these guys who you know can play both you know can play at center and on the wing i think is you know kind of a strength of that part of their team and i I mean obviously it's a little bit of mixed bag we don't really know what we have in control and he's only played you know i think like 110 nhl games but and i mean even victor asked like i said we're you know we're not big fans of him but you know he can be serviceable at least at times if he's not expected to do much, but I right. think, I do think, you know, obviously at that point you would rather see what Goudreau could do, or if even if Sturm Bukestad could uh, do in the same line, just because I think that uh, whether he, and I think he obviously he tries hard, but I just think Rask is maybe a bit more of a passive game, a little less, you know, that uh, maybe bottom six style, even if that's what he's fit for. So I, I just, I just think it's just great how, how many options they have to just fiddle around with and find what works. Right. I think I'm going to add something onto the Goudreau thing. You know, you yeah. mentioned Bill Guerin knows him from Pittsburgh, but Dean Evson knows him from Milwaukee when Very he was true. in the Nashville system. And I believe so, uh, him and Fiala both played in Milwaukee as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have to look, but I'm pretty. I think they did too. So my betting money would go with Goudreau initially starting in there, but uh, I guess you know competition is a good thing, and and we'll see through camp what happens. Uh, you can never have enough competition. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think, and I'm with you, Justin, I think the most likely outcome probably is Goudreau to start the season. I think we'll see Rossi, 
Don't hate us for this. I'm still going <laughs> to stick by what I've kind of been saying all off season, despite having you know him you know seeing what he's done as of late. But I think he's going to start in Iowa just because I think they want to get him into those game situations, get him you know get him those top line minutes, mm-hmm. let him play against you know let him dominate in, in the AHL for a month. You know, make sure he's really ready. And then, you know, you can figure out maybe you have some lines that aren't working, you want to switch some things up, then that's a good time to bring in Rossi. So I don't think it'll be very long, but my, if again, as I said before, if I have the betting man, i put betting money that Boldy starts in the NHL, I'd also put money that Rossi starts in the AHL. As much as it pains me to say it, because we know how much I love Marco Rossi and how much we like Marco Rossi, but that's kind of the way I'm leaning. Um, if, if, he blows, if he blows us away in camp, that'll change. But as of now, that, that's kind of where I stand. Right, and I'll kind of add to uh, that too. I think there's a chance that Addison could start in Iowa too. Agreed. You know, of course, we want both those guys in the lineup big time. But what's better for his development, like at this stage, playing third line minutes or going to Iowa, playing first line minutes, playing power play, getting all the minutes and getting all the like a bunch mm-hmm. of ice time. Uh, and there's going know, to be injuries, you know, too. Yeah. Like, and, and right. when yeah. when there is an injury, if, especially in the top four. I don't think they're elevating John Merrill to the top four. I think that's where Kellen no. Addison maybe comes in. So. Yeah. All right. All right. All right, guys. Well, I think that could about wrap us up here. Um, we got to talk about all the good – this is like the great shows. We could talk about Kaprizov, Rossi, Boldy. Uh, yes. we're, I think we're in – I don't know. Are we in the 20s now? For we got to be, I think, away yeah, from the season. 20, 20 got to be, yeah. What is it? Uh, well, it's the 22nd today, so it would probably be what? 24 days first something game? like that yeah let's see I'm gonna... three three weeks three and a half three and a half weeks that's yeah. crazy i three can't believe and... it yeah that's so close i mean they start preseason they have a preseason game on saturday yeah saturday the wild are playing a preseason game against real like it's crazy and then i believe the uh the regular season kicks off I believe it's oct- it's the 15th it's Friday. Yeah, thinking. against Anaheim. Um, oh, so yeah, I mean we're home stretch, baby. Like this is this is exciting. Uh, we're, we're pumping yeah. this podcast. This will be our first full eighty-two game season. So you know, we started this yeah. you know middle of sure. COVID. So we get to cover a full season of the Wild, uh, player cards, and all that fun stuff. We'll be back as well. So tons of stuff to look forward to. Gentlemen, mm-hmm. wrapping it up here. Any final thoughts before we sign off? Um, and head into the first week of Minnesota Wild training camp. Um, well, I just I'm just gonna give a quick uh, birthday shout out to uh, Wild goalie prospect Hunter Jones, who turned 21 yesterday. And I'm saying this because on the on the Wild's Twitter account, when they posted the picture of Krill, they said we will remember dot 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 the 21st night of September. He replied with uh, "What a day indeed!" So, uh, <laughs> shout out to him on turning 21 years old yesterday. Pretty good birthday present for Hunter Jones, huh? Yeah, okay. absolutely. <laughs> I know. I, I just want to say, I mean, it's exciting. All the pieces are in place. We have nothing to worry about. The season's three and a half weeks away. Let's go. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. My uh, my final two thoughts. Uh, first and foremost, he probably doesn't listen to this show, but congrats to uh to Wild Joe, uh Joe, the play by play guy for the oh. Iowa Wild. Uh, been promoted yes. up to the big club. Got the call up. Um, we'll be doing the majority of the uh, wild play-by-play this year. Um, Bob Kurtz not stepping away, but primarily just doing home games. So Joe will have all of the uh, all of the away games plus a handful of home games. So really excited to have him on the call because I think he does great work. Great hire by the Wild. And then my other one, a little more somber note. Um, there was an article that came out on uh, Yahoo Sports today um, that Alex Stalock is likely going to miss the entire season 
um, with a he has a he has a uh, lingering heart condition, which may be kind of a result of that myocarditis that we saw last year uh, from COVID. So all the best to Al Stalock, who remains in the Oilers organization. I'm just you know really hope that mm-hmm. everything is well with him because there's you know there's very few more likable guys in the world than than Alex Stalock. So yep, absolutely. All right, gentlemen, uh, Zeke, let everyone know where they can find you and all of your work. Uh, as usual, you can find me on Twitter uh, at zbwildnation underscore hw, and you can also find uh, my written work at hockeywilderness dot com. Justin, find me at deeast two thousand four. Find me at capriceofc with the capriceof countdown. You find me at MNW Prospects with Wild Prospects and Young Players, and we're really rolling there, getting close to three thousand followers. So thank you all for following us here and there. Awesome, awesome. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh92. Be sure you're following the podcast account as well, at Sound the Foghorn, both on Twitter and Instagram. That's all one word. Uh, and that'll do it for this week's show. Training camp begins tomorrow. We'll be back next week, uh, giving probably just a little bit of insight, some quick reactions to what we've seen out of training camp so far. Um, and again, we're hoping to get a very special Michael Russo guest on sometime before the regular season starts. So stay tuned for that. But until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Podcast.